بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله والشكر لله الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وآله صحبه وسلم This is our first pod- podcast for Sakina Publishing on Anchor FM and um, <coughs> seeing as it is the 6th of Rajab which commemorates the uh, the whole the uh, aniv- the, the uh, death anniversary of Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al-Nasr radiyallahu anhu so we thought we'd start this first podcast of ours uh, in remembrance of this blessed imam of the Bani Alawi radiyallahu anhu <coughs> so we will start with the with the recitation uh, of his blessed lineage first so he is Habib Ahmad bin Hassan bin Abdullah bin Ali bin Abdullah bin Muhammad Bin Mohsin, Bin Hussein, Bin Umar, Bin Abdurrahman, Bin Aqil Al-Atas Bin Abdullah, Bin Abdurrahman, Bin Abdullah, Bin Sheikh Abdurrahman Al-Sakaf Al-Kabir Bin Sheikh Muhammad Mawla Al-Dawila Bin Sheikh Ali Mawla Darak Bin Alwi Al-Ghayur, Bin Faqih Al-Muqaddam, Muhammad Bin Ali Bin Muhammad Sahib Mirbat, Bin Ali Khali Qasim Bin Alwi, Bin Muhammad Sahib Al-Sawma Bin Alwi, Bin Abaydullah, Bin Al-Mahajah Illallah, Ahmad Bin Isa Bin Muhammad al-Nakib, Bin Ali al-Uraidi, Bin Jafar Sadiq, Bin Muhammad al-Bakr, Bin Ali Zainal Abidin, Bin Hussain al-Sibt, Bin Ali bin Abi Talib, Wa Fatima bint Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi sahbihi wa sallam. The blessed and pious mother of Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al-Atas radiyallahu was the Sayyidah, the Hababa Salma bint Sheikh bin Abdullah al-Atas radiyallahu anha. The life of Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al-Atas radiyallahu anhu. <coughs> he was born in Hurayda in 1257 Hijri, which corresponds to 1841 of the Christian era. And whilst he was still an infant, he went blind. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened his inner sight, and at a young age, he would inform people of the ghaib, of the unseen. His upbringing was supervised by his paternal grandfather, Habib Abdullah who began teaching him the Qur'an at the age of five. The Arif Billah Habib Saleh bin Abdullah al he was the overseer of his spiritual development. One Friday morning, Habib Ahmed bin Hassan al who was about five or six at that time, he was playing in the street. Habib Saleh passed him by and told him to put on his best clothes and go to the Friday prayer. Then he recited to him an ayah of the Qur'an from Surah Al-Hajj verse 32 If someone venerates the sacred things of Allah, this, truly, this is truly a sign of piety in the heart. And this was the first verse of the Qur'an that Habib Ahmad received from Habib Saleh. He immediately went home. He bathed and dressed and went to the Friday prayer. So from that young age, Habib Saleh had planted in his heart, in the heart of Habib Ahmad, an intense longing for Allah and a, and a desire to travel the path to Allah with him. He had a tremendous and immense attachment to Habib Saleh and whenever, that he, whenever he heard that he was coming to Hurayda from his hometown, from his hometown, Habib Ahmad would go to the boundaries of Hurayda to meet him and spend all his time in his company. And there was a time when Habib Ahmad Hassan al-Tas, he complained of waswas in his early days, in his probably in his youth or maybe earlier uh, to Habib Saleh and then one one day Habib Saleh he stood next to Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al-Tas and he whispered gently to him Allahu Akbar the words of Habib Saleh went straight 
to the heart of, uh, to the heart of Habib Ahmed and all the traces of these whisperings were removed. Later, he would travel to, to, to uh, study with, with Habib Saleh at a town called Amd and it was there that he received his spiritual opening, his fath. His early days were char characterized by immense spiritual striving. It is said that he would turn the day into the night and the night into the day, meaning not by supernatural or paranormal powers or anything of that sort, but in the sense that he would pray his Fajr, even his Zohar, with the wudu that he had made for Salat al-Isha the night before. So from the, from the time of Salat al-Isha, the night before that wudu, he would read his Fajr with that and even his Zohar. Habib Ahmad bin Hassan, his second main sheikh was Habib Abu Bakr bin Abdullah Latas, who placed his gaze upon Habib Ahmad from a very early age. Habib Abu Bakr anhu, he would test him by keeping him waiting outside his house for hours before finally allowing him to enter. Habib Ahmad bin Hassan anhu, <coughs> once he asked for a written ijazah from Habib Abu Bakr. Ijazah is a permission which is given by the Sheikh to the student to transmit knowledge. <coughs> Habib Abu Bakr then asked him if, he'd, if he would prefer for him to write the ijazah on the paper or in his heart, subhanAllah. Habib Ahmed of course chose the latter for it to be in his heart. <coughs> Habib Abu Bakr wrote to Habib Ahmed Hassan saying, persevere until the leaves and thorns fall away and what is left is the fruit. Later on, Habib Abu Bakr, uh, Habib Abu Bakr would go on to say that Habib Ahmed is the heir of his ancestor, Habib Umar bin Abdurrahman bin Aqil al-Atas in 1274, whilst still in his youth, Habib Ahmad went to perform the Hajj and to visit the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa He settled in Makkah in 1275 Hijri to seek ilm. Shaykh al-Islam said Ahmad bin Zaini Dahlan took him under his wing and oversaw his studies. And, and under his tutelage, he finished his memorization of the Quran, he mastered, he mastered its variant readings and deepened his knowledge of the Islamic sciences. Sheikh Zaini Dahlan ordered him to leave all his awrad and focus on his studies. Habib Ahmed obeyed, leave, leaving with, with great reluctance all of his awrad, including the Ratib Habib Umar bin Abdurrahman al atas But such was the concern of Habib Umar al atas for Habib Ahmed, he would come to him repeatedly and order him to read the, to read the Ratib until he did so. Said Ahmed bin Zaini Dahlan, he greatly honored Habib Ahmed bin Hassan and he, saw and he foresaw the rank that he would reach. And he wanted him to succeed in teaching and also to lead the prayer in the Masjid al-Haram. But Habib Ahmed bin Hassan refused, following in the footsteps of, the prede of his predecessor of the Bani Alawi, who preferred not to be known by anybody at all. He also, Habib Ahmad also studied at the hands of other scholars of the two sanctuaries. Amongst them is Habib Muhammad bin Hussein al-Hamshi and Habib Fadl bin Alawi Mawla al-Dawila. So then in 1281 Hijri, he returns to Huraida and he spends the rest of his life in the way of his predecessors, calling people to Allah, Dawah, Tabligh, spreading knowledge, rectifying society. Because at that time, Huraida and the surrounding valleys were characterized by ignorance, illiteracy, tribal violence, and un-Islamic customs. 
Habib Ahmad would pay for teachers to come to the town to teach ordinary people their religious obligations and to teach them to read, to write, recite the Quran. He paid for, uh, for he paid for a muallima, uh, a female scholar from Tarim who had studied in the hands of the great Arif Billah Habib Ahmad bin Umar bin Samit and she would come to Huraida to teach the women. He provided with he provided her with a house and a salary, and he would send her to, to other towns to teach. He oversaw the education of children and at times invite them to his house, ask them about their progress. He would give the children sweets and pens and paper and give money to their teachers. His mastery of jurisprudence allowed him to find opinions that allowed the common people to practice their religion with ease. He would always encourage his students to refer to the books of the early scholars. He emphasized that when it came to acting upon when it came to acting upon the rulings of the sacred law, he would look at how his predecessors amongst the Ba'alwi Imams had acted upon and, and would follow their examples. In Hawraida, robbery and fighting was a common occurrence until Habib Ahmad designated the heart of the city a safe haven. And he, he managed to get all the tribes in Hadramal to agree to this. He rid the town of un-Islamic practices, particularly those associated with weddings. He not only saved the living, but also establishing a program of recitation of the Quran for the dead, similar to the program in place in Tarim and, in, and other towns in Hadramaut. And he ensured that the town's religious endowments were properly preserved and recorded. He expended much of his wealth and his time and used the respect in which he was held to solve tribal feuds in the region. And he was regarded as the main, the main negotiator in Hadramaut. Whenever he heard if trouble had broken out between tribes or between rulers, he would rush to the area immediately to find a solution to, for reconciliation. And at times he would spend even months traveling between one tribe and another in attempts to come to an agreement and to, uh, for dispute resolution. He would also spend his wealth and time repairing flood channels and dams in a region uh, which was prone to flash floods. Although, most of his, although most, much of his time was spent in Horeda and the surrounding regions, he would make regular trips to other cities in Hadramaut as well. He would visit the blessed scholars in the blessed places. And he continued his pursuit of knowledge at the hands of great Imams such as Habib Ahmad bin Muhammad al-Mehdar, Habib Idrus bin Umar al-Habshi, Habib Mohsin bin Ali al-Saqaf, and Habib Abdurrahman bin Ali al-Saqaf. He once visited the Quran school in Tarim established by Imam al-Idrus and insisted, he insisted on sitting in front of the teacher and reciting Surah Al-Fatiha to him, so that he would, so that he would be, so that he would be counted amongst one of his students that had studied there. Reading this event it reminds me of a time when I was uh, young in my youth, um, and once my father asked me to sit down in front of him, and he asked me, "Do you know Surah Al-Fatiha?" I said, "Yes, of course I do," and uh, he asked me uh, to recite it to him. And I said to my father, I, I know the Surah Al-Fatiha, I have learned in the Madrasa. But then my father asked me again and I saw the seriousness of his question and the serious look on his face. So then I recited the Surah Al-Fatiha to him. And then when I finished the recitation, and he said, uh, good, I accept you as my student. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So Habib Ahmad, whilst in Tharim, he would divide his prayers amongst the different mosques so as to gain blessings from all of them. And he, he had 
a great library as well which contained many rare manuscripts and became famous in Hadramaut. His uh, veneration for sacred knowledge was, uh, was so much that no effort or expense was too much for him to, um, to, to spare in the uh, pursuit of books. And he was overjoyed when a copy of the tafsir of Imam al-Tabari reached him in Hawraida. His students started reading, reading it to him immediately and in the space of a year they had read through the ten large volumes. The day of its completion was a day of celebration, a day of Eid. Habib Ahmed laid on a banquet which hundreds of people attended. It is said that he continued to master his, his recitation of the Quran until the Messenger of Allah وسلم, came to him and recited it to him. He thus received the Quran direct from its source. The Quran was opened up to him and he was able to recite in its entirety in a short space of time. On a visit to Misr, even the scholars of Al-Azhar were amazed by his knowledge and struck by the beauty of his recitation. And one of his companions at that trip at that time was Imam Ali al-Habshi anhu. And whenever he completed the Quran, Habib Ahmad would gather all members of his household together to read the final chapters and join with him in his supplications. It is also said of Habib Ahmad that he would witness the light he would witness the light of Prophet emanating from the hadith of the Prophet and that also he, he could detect if someone's if someone's words emanated from his heart or from his nafs. His daily routine would start around two hours before Fajr, and he would never he would never ever leave the night prayer even if he was travelling. He, he, at this time, he would, leave his, he would leave his house and go to the mosque of his ancestor, Habib Mohsin bin Hussein al -Aqdas. And this mosque, Habib Ahmad himself refurbished it and extended it and offered all his prayers here and teach his lessons there as well. And they would spend that time reciting Quran. He would read, his students would read to him, and then he would lead the prayer until, uh, and then he would lead the prayer. And then after that, they would uh, spend time in prayers until the time of sunrise. And he would say to his students, follow me in everything I do, for I follow the prophetic sunnah sallallahu alayhi wa Even when they were traveling, he would carry a selection of books, a selection of reference books in each science with him, and he would have the students read to him. His house was constantly full of guests. He was always extremely hospitable. He would feed everybody and clothe the poor amongst them. If a scholar came to visit him, he would give the best of receptions and he would lay on large feasts for his guests while he himself would suffice himself with bread and curdled milk. If he was gifted food or clothing, he would distribute it amongst the needy. He would often go into debts to cover his expenses. And he would say, I would not care if I spent all that I possess in one day. He was extremely scrupulous about his income and it is said that he could witness darkness surrounding anything that came to him from a dubious source. If he hired anyone to work for him, he would pay them several times more than the standard rate. People at times were often rude and aggressive towards him, but he always remained forbearing. And he said, we forgive people for not giving us our rights. All we ask is that they give, the, all we ask is that they give their Lord the rights due to him. He said, for 50 years I have been in the service of the creation. 
if he heard that a woman from amongst the poor people of Hureda was pregnant, he would, ha he would have his wife cook a sheep for her and then let her eat what she wished of it. We are fortunate that some of his words were faithfully recorded by students and at their forefront is Sheikh Muhammad bin Awad bin Fadl and Sheikh Muhammad when he compiled uh, this work he placed a statement at the beginning of the compilation of the words of the Kalam of Ahmad which pleased him immensely and the statement is this that divine gifts are attained through three things truly seeking them focusing oneself upon attaining them and having a sound intention. He said that Allah sends forth from every gathering of goodness or remembrance a white cloud which then causes rain, rain to fall upon people who have never done any good so that they all attain felicity. Countless people benefited from Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al Amongst his close students were Habib Ahmad bin Abdurrahman al-Saggaf, Habib Abdullah bin Alwi al-Tas, Habib Mustafa bin Ahmad al-Mihdar, his brother Habib Muhammad, Habib Alawi bin Ta'ir al-Haddad and his brother Habib Abdullah. The great author and lover of the Prophet wasallam, Sheikh Yusuf Nabahani anhu, he recognized Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al-Tas as being the Imam of his time. He duly sought an ijazah from him and asked to be considered as one of his students. Although they never physically met, Sheikh Yusuf Nabahani would write to him from his home in Beirut and Habib Ahmad would write back to him from his home in Horeida. Habib Ahmad continued his life's work until his death in Horeida on the 6th of Rajab, 1334 Hijri, which corresponds to 1916 of the uh, Christian era. And the evening before his death, he actually mediated in a tribal dispute. And then after finishing his prayers and, count and recitation in the last part of the night, he gathered together the members of his haldun and counseled them to honor guests and to continue his work as a deputy of Habib Umar bin Abdurrahman bin Athil al anhu. He went to renew his wudu, intending to go out to the mosque to lead the prayers. At this point, he lost his balance and had to be, and had to be supported by his daughter. He lay down, resting his head upon her legs, and his blessed soul departed from his blessed body. The news of his death quickly spread throughout the region and four corners of the earth. For years, he had carried his funeral shroud with him whenever he went. And he had put aside everything required for the pre preparation of his body for burial. And his instruction was that he be buried wearing the cap of his shirk, Habib Saleh, and that he also be buried at the feet of Qutb al-Anfas, Habib Umar bin Abdurrahman al-Tas. The time in which Habib Ahmad lived was described as a golden age. And it was also said that if all if that it was all said that if if the only genius the Hadra Moth produced was this Imam, it would have been sufficient. May Allah benefit us all by Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al Das radiallahu anhu and all of Allah's and all of Allah's pious and blessed people. There is a dua of Habib Ahmad bin Hassan bin Abdullah and for blessings and barakah, inshallah, I will read it and then I will read the uh, English translation of it. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم حسنت نفسي وأهلي ومالي وإرضي وديني ودنياي وأخرايا ومآشي ومآدي وأزواجي وأولادي وظاهري وباتني وسري وعلنيتي وزماني ومكاني ووقتي وأحلى وقتي وكل شيء أتانيه أتانيه ربي بما حسن به نبينا والمصلون والأولياء والصالحون أنفسهم وأحلاهم وأموالهم وأرضهم وذينهم ودنياهم وأخراهم ومآشهم ومآذهم وأزواجهم وأولادهم وظاهرهم وباتنهم وسرهم وألانيتهم وزمانهم ومكانهم ووقتهم وأهل وقتهم في دين ودنيا والآخرة وحسبنا الله نعم الوكيل وصلى الله لسنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وإلى حضرة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين الحمد لله رب العالمين The English translation is as follows Bismillahirrahmanirrahim I fortify myself and my family my wealth and honor my religion my world and afterlife my life and passing away my wife and children my outward and inward my essence and appearance my time and place my era and the people of my era and everything that my Lord has given which the prophets the messengers the awliya and the righteous have asked protection from for themselves and their families their wealth and honor their religion, world and afterlife, their lives and passing away, their wives and children, their outward and inward, their essences and appearances, their times and places, their eras and the people of their era, in their religion, world and afterlife. Sufficient is Allah for us and an excellent guardian is He. May Allah bless and send peace upon our Master Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, His family and companions. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين جزاك الله خيرا في أمان الله